This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Well, thanks for staying with us uh, with Real Presence Live. My name is Jack Kennelly, and with me is my wife, Doreen. We are your hosts for this last segment that we're really looking forward to. And uh, for those of you who have just joined us, welcome. And our next guest is uh, a good follow-up with uh, our last segment where we were talking about kind of the legislation in North Dakota that's of interest to us as Catholics. And our guest is Luke Goodrich, who is the vice president and senior counsel of the Beckett Fund. Now, I know uh, we usually ask our guests, Luke, to tell a little bit about themselves, but I don't want uh, your humility getting in the way of omitting any of the good stuff. So I'm going to kind of give your introduction, if you don't mind. Well, uh, I'm nervous. That sounds good. Oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm getting it off your book, so we're doing okay. <laughs> Uh, Luke Goodrich is a leading religious freedom attorney at the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty, where he has won multiple Supreme Court victories for clients, including Little Sisters of the Poor and Hobby Lobby. Hobby Lobby, excuse me, and that's the U.S. Supreme Court that we're talking about there. He frequently discusses religious freedom on networks such as Fox News, CNN, ABC, and National Public Radio, and in publications like the New York Times. The Wall Street Journal and Time magazine. He's also an adjunct professor at the University of Utah Law School, where he teaches an advanced course in constitutional law. He lives in Salt Lake City and enjoys exploring the outdoors with his wife and his family and serving their local church. So with that, welcome, Luke. We're really happy to have you, and maybe you might want to explain a little bit about what the Beckett Fund is. Sure. Thank you, Jack, for that kind introduction. It's great to be here. As Jack mentioned, I'm, I'm an attorney with the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty, and Beckett is the nation's only law firm dedicated exclusively to protecting religious freedom and doing it for people of all faiths. Beckett's been around for over 25 years, uh, founded by a great Catholic named Seamus Hassan, and we've had uh, a lot of success. We've won about over 90% of all of our cases in the last 25 years, and undefeated at the Supreme Court with uh, seven victories in the last uh, last nine years. What a great track record. <laughs> yeah. And how many of those were you on? <laughs> well, we work as a team, so I got to have a hand in, uh, in almost every one of those. And it never gets old to go into the marble halls of the Supreme Court, where when you have a big, important case hanging yeah. in the balance and... and the justices debated and then wait for their decision. Right. And uh, uh, I want to mention to our uh, our listeners, too, that uh, you also have a, a book out called Free to Believe, the Battle over Religious Liberty in America. And maybe uh, later, before we go off the air, you can give people the opportunity or let them know where they can get one, because I'm, I'm just about done with it, and I find it very interesting and uh, very complete and uh, It'll be easy to read for non-lawyers as well, and I, and I would certainly encourage people to take a look at it if you have any interest in religious liberty, and you should have an interest in religious liberty because, uh, quite frankly, at least from my perspective, it, it seems to be under attack, uh, probably more so than it has been in the past. And uh, Luke, you know, we sometimes hear about these various attacks on religious freedom, and 
Why don't you just tell us about them and give us some examples of some of your cases? Sure. So you know, I think a lot of us, we don't really follow the news around religious freedom. We may hear about a case when it reaches the Supreme Court. Uh, maybe we're not thinking about religious liberty every day. And so it's easy to miss the major cultural changes that have occurred and the way that that's creating <clears throat> new pressure on religious liberty and really new threats that, at least for Christians in America, we really haven't faced before. Uh, so just to take one example, uh, one of our cases right now in the U.S. Supreme Court where we're waiting for a decision any day, we're representing a Catholic foster care ministry in the city of Philadelphia. And that ministry for over 100 years has been uh, recruiting families to provide loving homes for foster children. Uh, it's one of the best foster care ministries in the city. I mean, they were doing it, they were doing foster care long before the city of Philadelphia even got involved. Uh, and so, unfortunately, a few years ago, the city read in a, a Philadelphia Inquirer newspaper article that this Catholic ministry uh, adheres to Catholic teaching on marriage and doesn't place children in the homes of unmarried couples or same-sex couples. And city officials were so upset by that, they cut off all dealings with the ministry and effectively shut them down, simply because of their religious beliefs about marriage. And they weren't actually stopping. The ministry wasn't actually stopping anyone from engaging in foster care. There are over 20 other ministries in the city that serve married and same-sex couples. So it's not about can same-sex couples foster. It's simply the city trying to retaliate against the Catholic ministry, 100-year-old Catholic ministry, because of its religious beliefs, and shut it down. And so uh, we've taken that case all the way to the Supreme Court, and we're asking the court to protect a Catholic foster care ministry. And you know, I think that is, you know, that's just one example, uh, but it's illustrative of several different areas where we're facing new religious freedom threats in this country. And obviously, you know, 50 years ago, it would have just been unthinkable for the government to shut down a Catholic ministry because of its Catholic beliefs about marriage. Uh, but that's, that's one of the key areas where we're facing threats today. And that's because you know, long-standing Catholic views uh, may have not been universally held, um, but were widely held. Long-standing views about marriage are now viewed as a threat to the prevailing culture, uh, viewed as a form of bigotry. And so in that area of marriage, we're seeing a lot of new threats, and that's just one of the areas. Yeah, could you, can you identify some of the other threats Sure. I, I think, you know, I think I go through in my book, Free to Believe, uh, five key areas where there's new pressure on religious freedom. Uh, one of those is the area of marriage and gay rights that I just mentioned. A second is the area of abortion rights, where a longstanding Catholic views about life are now being viewed as a threat to access to health care. And so you see pressure there. A third area is with anti-discrimination laws. Uh, and the idea that simply adhering to basic religious views is somehow a form of intolerance. Uh, fourth area has to do with uh, religious 
minorities, the non-Christian religious minorities, and the unique difficulties they face. And then the fifth area I cover, I call it the public square, really just the relationship between government and religion when it comes to things like government funding for religious organizations or religious messages in the public square. That's kind of a big, you know, broad sweep five major areas, and then be happy to go into examples of any one of those. Before you do that, uh, Luke, could you please just briefly explain the difference between freedom to worship and religious freedom? Sure. Great question. You'll sometimes hear government officials talking about freedom of worship, uh, as if that is what religious freedom entails. And, you know, sometimes it can be innocuous, but other times it can be a subtle signal that really what the government thinks of as religious freedom is simply the freedom to gather within the four walls of your church or to pray in the privacy of your own home. But religious freedom is much more than simply freedom to worship in the church or in the home. It's the freedom to bring your whole self to bear, not only in your home, not only in your church, but in in your workplace, in the way you do ministry, and in, in the public square. And so uh, that's one of the things we're defending today is the freedom to uh, bring your whole self, including your entire religious being, and live out your faith in the workplace and in the public square. Thank you. That was a great way to describe those differences. Yeah, I remember the first time I heard that. It was during a presidential debate, uh, not the last election, but the one prior to that. And I thought, that doesn't sound too good to me. And it, you know, and I think, you know, if... It, it, those sort of things, uh, I don't think we really understand or necessarily think about the, the uh, what can happen with that sort of stuff. I, when I think of, you know, freedom of worship, you know, keep it in the church, it's like, well, can we have a Corpus Christi procession around the block, you know, on Corpus Christi Sunday? Or is somebody going to object to that sort of thing and say, okay, you can't do that anymore? Mm-hmm. No, right. Very and important distinction. Even... even even freedom of worship today, I mean, what we've seen with COVID and uh, in 2020 and the restrictions around COVID, I mean, many churches are facing very onerous restrictions, even on the ability to gather for worship. Uh, and a lot of cities, states, and counties are treating gathering for worship as non-essential, even while they allow all sorts of gatherings, you know, in retail stores, big box stores, movie theaters. In Nevada, Nevada shut down in-person religious worship and was allowing casinos to have hundreds of people. Uh, so even even that core freedom to gather in church is under pressure today. Are you finding in your you know years of experience that the uh, kind of the uh, the legislation and the cases uh, involving religious liberty are you know more overtly anti-church, if you will? Well, I don't, I don't think of it as anti-church, but I do think our society is increasingly drawing a distinction between what it views as good religion and bad religion. And in the view of society, not my view, but you know, kind of a prevailing view in the dominant culture, a good religion is tolerant. It doesn't make, you know, absolute truth claims. Uh, it's non-discriminatory. You know, it doesn't, uh, doesn't uh, bring moral claims to bear on everyday conduct. 
and it's it's uh, it's tolerant in the sense that it's not really uh, evangelistic or, or trying to gather people into the faith. And then bad religion in modern day society uh, does make absolute truth claims, and it does say that religion comes there in every aspect of human life, from the womb to the tomb, and it makes claims on our everyday life, including claims about sexual immorality. That, in modern-day society, I think is, is increasingly viewed as bad religion. So those, those long-standing Catholic beliefs about absolute truth, about human life, the sanctity of human life, and about marriage, those are increasingly viewed as threat and increasingly in the crosshairs of bad government regulations. Okay, let's, let's hold that thought. We're coming up on a break right now. And uh, But before we break, I want to remind our listeners, you're listening to Real Presence Live, and our guest is Luke Goodrich, who is a senior counsel with the Beckett Fund, and we're talking about religious liberty. So we'll see you at the other side of the break. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sapo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision offers eye exams for the whole family, contact lenses, glasses, and vision therapy services. Our specialized vision therapy program works to improve how the eyes work together as a team. We work with our patients to improve reading difficulties, lazy eyes, eye turns, and focusing problems, which can be detrimental to performance in the classroom and on the job. You can learn more about our mission at Lumen.Vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Do you want to make sure Real Presence Radio continues to receive your support in perpetuity? This can now be accomplished by establishing an individual endowment account in your name with a minimum gift of $10,000. A distribution will be made annually in your name to assure future generations will continue to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ through the mission of Real Presence Radio. To learn more about establishing an individual endowment for Real Presence Radio, a gift which will last in perpetuity, Please call me, Mike Kidrowski, at 701-290-4503. State tax credits may apply in some states. Let's get started. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to our last installment of Real Presence Live for today. And we're speaking with Luke Goodrich, Vice President and Senior Counsel for the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty. And so, Luke, we're happy to have you with us. And 
You were talking, you know, one of the things I think is interesting that you, you kind of touched on is the idea of protecting religious freedom for all. And it seems to me that, you know, protecting for all means everybody so that when you're, you know, uh, uh, working on a case that involves maybe uh, uh, Muslims or you know, non-Catholics, that even has an effect on Catholics or Christian uh, uh, denominations of all sorts. That's so true. And, you know, just last night I was working on an emergency appeal on behalf of Native Americans, uh, members of the Apache tribe, and the government is taking one of the most sacred Apache sites in the world and handing it over to a mining company that's going to destroy it and swap the site in a two-mile-wide, thousand-foot-deep crater. And so there are threats not only to traditional Catholic beliefs, but to minority faiths as well. And in my book, I argue that it's really important for Christians in particular to stand up for religious freedom for non-Christians. One reason is the reason you mentioned, uh, simply as a matter of self-interest. Protecting religious freedom for minority faiths uh, helps secure it for uh, for ourselves, because really religious freedom is a a seamless web, and if one faith group doesn't have religious freedom, uh, we're all at risk for our religious freedom. Uh, But even more importantly, I think it's important to defend religious freedom for people of all faiths, simply because it's the right thing to do. And if you look at uh, Dignitatis Humanae, uh, the the Vatican Statement on Religious Freedom, it talks about how uh, we're all born with a thirst for transcendent truth, uh, with conscience, and we can't act on that under coercion. And so when the government uh, infringes on conscience, it's violating a fundamental human right. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I was thinking over the break, you had mentioned prior to the break the idea of how the country is thinking in terms of good church, bad church. And uh, the uh, the description of the bad church, it seemed to me, uh, specifically uh, described Catholicism to a great extent and to another great extent a lot of uh, various Christian denominations. And do you know, do you have an opinion as to the source of this kind of religious or anti-religious sentiment in the U.S.? I think I think it comes back to the significant cultural changes that have taken place over the last couple decades, and really starting to view those traditional beliefs as a, a threat to other things that society values right now, uh, whether that's radical uh, individual autonomy or sexual liberation or the right to do whatever you want with your own body and in your own time. Now, that kind of radical autonomy stands in sharp contrast to the traditional teaching of the Church. And so you know, the more that, that viewpoint becomes prevalent in society and culture, the more it's reflected in government, and the more we see those threats against traditional Catholic beliefs and practices. Yeah. It seems like the idea of, um, of objective truth is, must be somewhere in this when you describe, you know, the cultural changes. And, um, I do think that's... Go ahead. I, I think that's a big part of it. Uh, and, you know, there was a... It's kind of been a shift over time. You know, we saw a lot of relativism maybe a decade or, or so ago where, you know, absolute truth claims were frowned upon. But I think a lot of the intolerance that we see uh, from culture today 
is based on its own set of truth claims and, and really a view of, of the individual as radically autonomous and able to complete define one's own identity. And there's no sort of uh, subjection to a higher power. And that leads to a tremendous amount of conflict. And confusion. <laughs> yeah, and this kind of... Yes. This kind of thinking seems to be uh, have a, have a lot of traction and maybe even gaining some traction, and um, you know, and and it, it it certainly has a negative impact on our religious uh, freedom. Where uh, where is the hope for us in in all of this? Yeah, great question. You know, it's one thing to be aware of these threats. Uh, but it kind of raises the question, what do we do with it? And I devote a whole section of my book, Free to Believe, to this question. And you know, a lot of people start with, you know, when they become sort of awakened to these threats, uh, the first reaction is like, well, what do we do? How do we win? How do we keep our religious freedom from being taken away? Uh, and what I say in the book is, you know, really we need to uh, shift our mindset first. Uh, that winning is not the primary focus of a Christian, uh, but rather faithfulness to Christ. And there's so much in Scripture that speaks to how we walk as faithful Christians, as faithful Catholics, in the midst of hostility and suffering. And these are principles like expecting suffering, rejoicing in the midst of it, striving for peace, fearing God more than fearing men, continuing to do good even when it's costly, and loving our enemies. And so I think the first step is to really uh, press into what sort of mindset we need to have when we are a minority in the culture and when we're in, under pressure. And then secondly, uh, secondly, there are a lot of practical steps that people of faith can take to ensure that their ministries, their businesses, their livelihoods, and their families uh, retain as much religious freedom as possible in the years to come. And I go through those practical steps, you know, whether you're a business owner, a ministry leader, or a person in the pew just trying to live your life, how can we preserve as much religious freedom uh, as possible in the years to come? Okay, so it, it sounds like keep, keep living the uh, Christian life, if you will. Exactly. Yes. And ultimately, you know, I, 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 I talk about a lot of threats in, in the book, and those threats are very real. But it's not a book of fear. It's really a book about hope. And right. we have plenty of reason for hope just in practical terms. I mean, our, our firm, the Beckett Fund, is undefeated at the Supreme Court. We have a great Constitution. We have a Supreme Court that has repeatedly protected religious freedom. But ultimately, uh, if we are uh, Christians, our hope is not ultimately in uh, the outcome of an election or the outcome of a Supreme Court case. Our hope is in the person of Jesus Christ. And, okay. you know, I love the verse where he says, In this world you will have trouble. But then, very next breath, take heart, I have overcome the world. And so that's really the ultimate source of our hope when it comes to conflict over religious freedom. What great words to end this with. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Luke. Yeah, Luke, thank you very much. I wish we had more time to explore this even further, but we're... We're up to a break. Time is not our friend. And we certainly want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to visit with us today. And we've been visiting, for, for our listeners, we've been listening with Luke Goodrich, Vice President and Senior Counsel for the Beckett Fund. 
Thanks so much for having me. Yes, this was a great discussion. I wish we would have had more time, but Therese has to give us a, a her uh, a techno her preview of the next show. And thank you, Luke. Yeah, so on the next Real Presence Live, that's Thursday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central, Father Craig Vosick is your host, coming to you live from the University of Mary in Bismarck. Learn more about how you can strengthen your personal formation during our interview with Dr. Ann Brodeur and Dr. Nathan Kilpatrick from the University of Mary. And Father Keith Streifel, Monica Solo, and Elizabeth and Isabel Lopez will be on to share about a new order of sisters that's coming to the area. All that and much more is coming up on the next Real Presence Live. That's tomorrow from 9 to 11 a.m. Central. Back to you. Okay, thanks, Tress. Well, uh, that's that wraps us up for another installment of Real Presence Live. We hope that we gave you some ideas for uh, liturgical living for your families, for Lent, and also... Uh, an idea of the significance of the law and how it can affect our Catholic faith as well as, you know, the, the faith of, well, all of our Christian brothers and sisters and even the non-Christian world. And it's important for us to keep an eye on these things because uh, they can chip away at our freedoms. And so with that, I guess we're done. Thank you for tuning in to Real Presence Live, and we hope to have you listening tomorrow and every other day that we're on. This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in for an encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. Get the podcast any time of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence radio app. And remember, you can be a part of the conversation through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence radio network.